Ho, ho, ho. It's the end of year Christmas special. More like a show, ho, ho. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 30, for Friday, the 23rd of December, 2022. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, we find out that Google are not in trouble after all. Are the AI bots taking over the world? We take a look back at our 2022 shows and we make our own predictions, just like an AI would. But before we get to any of that, I want to introduce the co-host of the show, Dave Wall. How you going, Dave? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, mate. I am I am looking at the clock. It's the last day for the year. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel the same, too. It's the last day. We're going to squeeze in this recording just to get yeah. it out for everyone. Yeah, don't want to ruin everyone's Christmas break by not having the podcast. So no, I've got to give everyone some something to listen to. I'll uh, I'll get to work. You know, just on my days off, I'll do a little bit there and uh, get it out on Friday. It won't be well, such it's a, a labour of love. That's it. Hey, I love doing the show, getting it out for everyone. But um, yeah, we thought um, being the uh, last show of the year and uh, being close to Christmas, we would do a little Christmas special. And a uh, little, uh, little present for all the uh, the good uh, cloud engineers out there. <laughs> That's it. And we've been postulating all week, haven't we? It's like, what are we going to put in this show? We don't know what's going to go in it. And, and uh, we think we've got something for you, something that'll be mildly entertaining anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, look, but uh, I, want to, I want to actually encourage our listeners, and we'll get on to that a bit later, how many listeners we've got, and I'll give you some stats a bit later, but I just want to encourage everyone to, you know, reach out to the show. What have you liked about the show during the year? Uh, what have you not liked? What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? That kind of thing. Um, I, uh, I do the call to action at the end of, end of every show. And so you, you'll know our email address and you know the ways to contact the show. So just let us know. Um, obviously, if you're internal to Kazna, you, you'll have our internal means of contacting me. But uh, yeah, just just reach out and let us know what you're liking about what we're doing at the moment, or not. <laughs> people, people just hate listening to us. <laughs> like, oh, these guys, <laughs> <laughs> these guys again. We do have a few listeners. We'll, we'll get on to that. But um, Ang- angry engagement is still engagement. <laughs> angry. <laughs> No advertising or no marketing is bad marketing. Isn't it something yeah, like that? Yeah, Even exactly. bad marketing is good. <laughs> something like that along those lines. Um, but uh, other than work, Dave, have you been up to anything tech-wise? Uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, not, not technology related at all. Well, I suppose it's technology adjacent. Um, <laughs> tearing down my my office. Because uh, oh, right. over the Christmas break I've got a I've got a painter that's has been in dire need of some TLC for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh in my office is, is kind of was pretty well set up. All my monitors are, are mounted. I've got everything up off the desk as much as possible. So taking it all apart <laughs> to get that room. Oh it's a pain. It's only it's about a- half done so Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got one of those big uh big a big they call it a producer workstation desk, and it's got like yeah, yeah, nine inch rack mount units and a shelf and all the rest of it on it. 
And uh, it took me two days. When I first put it together, maybe in this room 10 years ago, it took me two days to, to cable it all in and set everything up. And it's it's starting, the whole setup's starting to get a bit dated and I'm sort of dreading the idea of actually pulling it all out and redoing it all again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Are you going to uh, take any time to work on your um, your EATX motherboard <laughs> project over Christmas? Well, I have to because I haven't soldered a single component yet. <laughs> your 48 million soldering points that you have to do. I know. I, I, I'm thinking about it and it's. Uh, I, I am procrastinating a little bit on that because I know once I start, I want to I just get it done. Uh, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lo- another labour of love. Yeah, you're going to bolt the door to your studio there. So I'm not coming out until it's done. <laughs> That's it. Mad scientist. My hair will be really long and there'll be smoke coming out everywhere. Yeah, you got uh, t- tissue boxes on your feet. And your- <laughs> not that Crazy bad, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, anyway, all right, enough hilarity. Let's get on with the news items. The uh, ACCC has dismissed a court case against Google. Ooh. Yeah. What, so, what was um, this case about? So, back in July 2020, um, the, uh, Google was taken to court for misleading customers in relation to um, privacy data. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think I vaguely remember something do with it it was to do with location data and a pop-up would say um pop come up and say do you wish to accept these new features and it would merge your location data with your profile okay yep um and uh the court case was words to the effect of this didn't give us adequate warning about what it was doing um but uh, yeah, the court. This is an article from the 9th of December from from, from ACCC's press release. Um, uh, the meant that the internet tracking data had previously been kept secret, uh, separate from the user's Google account, and was not linked to an individual user. Was now linked to a user, names and other identifying information. So is this like the the thing where you sometimes you get like a like Google Maps will send you back like, hey, here's all the places that you travelled over the last. 30 days. Yeah, I think it was related to that. Yeah. Right, okay. Which was very depressing during lockdown. It's like 30 yeah. days. <laughs> Went to I, the think I, I think I post, posted the screenshot on our internal chat. This is all the places I've been the last three days. It was like one dot on my house. <laughs> um, so this was the ACCC that took Google to the federal court and the court found that the notification and the changes to the privacy policy were not misleading because Google sought the consent of account holders to implement the changes and only implement the steps with their informed consent. The court also noticed that Google did not reduce the account holders' rights under the privacy policy. So, that's fair enough. I mean, is this a frivolous... I mean, it seems frivolous. It really seems frivolous. I mean... You get this massive pop-up. They've got screenshots here in the press release of what the pop-up is saying, we're going to do this. We're going to merge all this data, blah, 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 blah. And then there's an I agree. Mm-hmm. Right? And then a more options. Now, if you don't agree, I assume a smart person would click the more options and opt out of whatever it is. How much more does Google need to do to avoid this kind of, in my opinion, frivolous 
case. Yeah, so we think that this was more just um, kind of fishing for a settlement sort of thing. <laughs> like, you know, any time Google does anything, you're going to have you know, some somebody's going to try and take them on, see if they can get a payday, right? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's the ACCC taking the case. Now, are they, represented, uh, are they representing a, a, a complaint from somebody or else? Or? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not clear. I don't know enough about the history of the case, which goes back to July 2020. But, I mean, the, you know, Google, whoever, Amazon, you know, Microsoft, whoever, I, I'm sure they've got their lawyered up with these kind of things <laughs> these days they are. And, uh, you know, it's all about butt covering at the end of the day. And, and, and this is, I mean, looking at these screenshots is clearly what they've, they've done and the courts upheld it. So, yeah, so another frivolous court case bites the dust. Um, update on that one. Another thing I was looking at during the week is uh, chat GPT. Yeah, it's blowing up. It is blowing up. Have you played with it yet? Uh, I haven't, no. Um, but uh, I've been I've been more interested in sort of sort of following the whole you know AI art controversy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, and alongside this, like I'm seeing now, even like subreddits like banning um, content that people are generating, like titles using ChatGPT and and content. But how can they tell? I, I, I don't know. That's the bit that's, that's throwing me off is like, how are you banning this? Is there some sort of tag? That- yeah, you go to ChatGPT, you generate your title, you copy the text and you paste it in. How do they yeah, know that you didn't like, type it? Yeah. It's, like, it's just um, too good. <laughs> like, just too good. No, no Redditor <laughs> type this out. <laughs> <laughs> People write good stuff. They're called journalists. Remember those? Remember journalists Doesn't back in the old day? No. <laughs> And authors, you occasionally get good ones that write some good stuff (laughs) (laughs) that aren't AIs. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this article goes on to say um, uh, ChatGPT had over 1 million users within five days of its November release. Uh, The chatbot's ability prompted Gmail creator Paul, and I should know this name, Buchent, to predict that it will completely disrupt Google search within a year or two. I can see where he's going with that comment, but I don't think it'll completely disrupt it. I think Google search will always have a, a place. Uh, former Google executive uh, Shridhar Ramsaway said chat GTP could disrupt Google's business model by preventing users from clicking on links that contain ads. Interesting. Uh, for context, advertising generated 81% of Google's parent company, Alphabet, uh, that was 257.6 billion revenue in 2021. Um, so yeah, if you haven't played with with uh, chat uh, chat GPT, go just go and do it. I um I, I don't think it's any secret. I I, I play in a band and I, I've wanted to write a song for my band for a little while, and so I, I went and I said, uh, you know, lyrics for a 80s style rock song that talks about you know you know modern internet. Technologies and it, it gave me some lyrics. <laughs> Amazing. They weren't very good. But it did give me some lyrics. <laughs> well, but at least it would have got you over the um, you know, the whole blank sheet. Uh, yeah, issue, get right? you- like give me something and then I can iterate. 
That's right. It gives you, it gives you, gets you over that writer's block. And you know, there may have been one or two gems in there that, uh, and that actually, there were one or two lines in there that I've just added to my list of lyrics that I'm probably going to include in that song. But um, that, that's what it's good for, right? Doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Jeez, how how good would it have been back in like high school when you had to write a report or an essay on something, right? Like, give me the bones of something without me having to go and like, you know. Complete like plagiarizing Wikipedia. I was going to plagiarize ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah, this is a thing. The kids are using it at school, right? Um, I mean, in the last ten years, it's been Wikipedia, right? I mean, if you want to start with something, you go to Wikipedia, and it gives you get, get, gives you some starting text and links out to other resources. But now you don't even need to do that. Just go to ChatGPT and it pulls it all up for you, right? But they're not saying it's all roses. Um, couple of little caveats uh, in this article. Although chatbots could eventually be integral to search, don't expect ChatGPT to pose a threat to Google anytime soon. And I tend to agree with that. Um, Google search is curated by people. I mean, there's algorithms there and there's there's waiting on searches and things. So there is some value in, in people curating it in that sense. Um, they also go on to say here, for starters, OpenAI, has, which is the organization running ChatGPT, GPT has been racking up eye-watering compute costs since it's released the system, which hasn't yet been monetized. Yeah, I bet. I've, I've absolutely no doubt. Yeah, yeah. And like uh, between that and like not just ChatGPT, but you know, like the um, what's it the, the you know the diffusion-based the the the, the art um, AI systems must just be consuming an enormous amount of compute. Yeah, yeah. At least it, until it gets more efficient, right? Like. I guess TPUs will start getting cheaper and, you know, who knows how ARM and AI is going to play out. But, um, yeah, and the point will come where we we'll cross over some line and it becomes a lot cheaper, right? Mm. But we ain't there yet. Yeah, I mean, I did see something the other day. Was, uh, it was more Google's response as to why they haven't redu- released, like, their own, uh, you know, chat AI bot. Um, and it was predominantly around... Uh, like, you know, the, yeah, these smaller sort of startups, they can sort of do things, they can take risks with their brand, but Google doesn't feel comfortable in making that kind of gamble. Like, there was like a scandal where like Microsoft released a chatbot and then within like a day it was, you know, all Exploited. sorts of really yeah. awful things it was yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, you know, that that tends to happen as soon as, you know, like 4chan gets a hold of your, your AI. <laughs> um, so I can understand Google's caution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, chat GPT could be pulled from the internet while its creators figure out how to make it profitable, uh, which could be a challenge considering its incorrect responses. Mm. But cool, it's really cool uh, to go and have a play with, easy to sign up for and just chuck in any text you want and it gives you some sort of funny response. You know, gr- great for overcoming writer's block. That's, yeah. that's where I see the value. All right. I thought I'd run over a few stats for the show while we're here. Um, great. Yeah, just uh show's been going for a little over a year now. Um, of course, we've had 
Eater on as a first co-host, and then Dave, you're now uh, more or less a per- permanent part of the furnishings <laughs> around here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're stuck uh, with me now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've had several uh, guest appearances and uh, guest co-hosts over that uh, what uh, fourteen months or so. And uh, look, we have a um, a modest following on the various platforms. Um, I um, Look, when it comes to uh, listenership and uh, followers and likes and all that, I I think if you if you're a content creator on the internet uh, and you're going out and you're chasing the likes and the followers and and stardom, that's the wrong approach. Anyone that's you know in our audience that might be want to start a YouTube channel or or a podcast or or a blog or so Twitch or something. Don't go out with the intention of going, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get thousands of followers because you, you're not, right? <laughs> you're not going to. It will happen over time. It could take years and years and years and years, right? What you've got to be focused on is the content. You've got to be passionate about the content. You've got to try and produce the best content you can and and really show an interest and a love for it. That's That's what your driver behind the show should be. And consistency, right? Like show up, (laughs) do the, if if you're on Twitch and you're going to have a a regular schedule, actually be there. Yep. Yep. If you're, if you want to commit to that, then actually do it. That's right. And the followers will come. If you build it, they will come. Right. Um, Now we've seen a steady increase across iTunes, Spotify and uh, Google uh, podcasts. Uh, Because let's be honest, the other Podcast platforms really don't matter in the scheme of things. Um, yeah, early on, I was really only tracking iTunes and Spotify, and more recently, I've been tracking Google Podcasts as well, which, you know, we are a Google show, so I really should do that. Yes, and thank uh, you very much. I'm glad that my stat is being the, tracked. Your stat is being tracked, yeah. And uh, I really only started to pay an interest in this um, sort of halfway through this year as well. And... Um, Back in August, we had 44 followers um, total across those three platforms, and as of today, we've got 99. So, we've doubled the uh, subscription rate in those, what, four months. It's great. All right, we're about to break over the 100. About to break over 100. Maybe listening to the podcast this week, someone will. Yeah. So, on iTunes, we've got 26 followers. Spotify, we've got 56 followers. And on Android, we have 17. Now, there is a little... Little uh, asterisks on that Android one. <laughs> there was a snafu earlier in the year, and I had had to remove the uh, feed in Android, which at the time we had twenty five subscribers. Uh, anyway, uh, it was twenty five. It's it's gone. It's built back up to seventeen now. Um, so I had to remove it and then re-add it for reasons. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with that. Nearly 100 people out there listening. Of those 100 people, once again, I'll just say, send, send something into the shows. Tell us what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, and um, we'll try and do that for you, for you during 2023. It's nice, nice seeing it grow, though. Yeah, it is It is nice. It is um, a vindication in a way, I guess. I'm Probably not the right word, but it's uh, as long as it's growing, right? Mm. Like, I don't – the actual number doesn't worry me so much, but we are seeing growth, so – um, just, you know, we're going to keep showing up here and as long as you guys are loyal to us, we'll be loyal to you. Now that we know 
a bit more about who's listening, let's uh, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments during the year. <laughs> and I know, Dave, you you gravitated direct straight towards a particular moment yeah. when we talked about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, we've we've had some great like outtakes and stuff, and it's always a little bit of a surprise for me. Uh, like when I listen back to the show, because you do all the editing. So, you know, I can't, I, like, I just get to, t- I turn up here and we, you know, we have a bit of a chat and stuff, but then you do all the heavy lifting in the background. And so when I get to listen to it afterwards, I'm like, oh, what's the, you know, what's that <laughs> the cold open going to be at the start? What's the cold opening going to be? <laughs> um, which is always, yeah, it's a bit And a it's bit not fun. always easy to find that, right? Like I, sometimes I'll put it in and go, nah, that's no good. Or, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's a bit spicy. That shouldn't go in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family show. <laughs> it's a family show, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really love that. But there was an episode that uh, I, I think it really it speaks to the dedication that you, know, you have uh, in making sure that we keep to a schedule. And, you know, you had your your, your big trip away, right? Did, you, you were yeah. going to be on the road for ages. And uh, that like episode 18, when you did the recording in a tent, in the rain, <laughs> in a campground, and we had the, the truck backing up. <laughs> so that truck, I, I found out what was going on there, and that um, that they happened to have a wedding at that caravan park the following day, and the wedding was the the son of the caravan park owner, and uh, the truck that was backing in while we were recording was a mobile pizza joint whoa yeah so i think at the time i said like maybe it'll be like a brewery or something <laughs> yeah that's right oh I, I i postulated that it could be a, a mobile recording studio <laughs> that would have been great because i'd gone everywhere i'd gone all through town to the library and everything and and because it was raining everywhere was packed solid there was there's nowhere quite quite in the pub i thought you know maybe the library has like a little media room or somewhere like that where i could just go and sit nah there was about ten thousand kids in there because it was raining it was school holidays and it was just noisy as anything um nowhere i even went to the banjo patterson museum um which is which is right there in winton and asked them and they said no we don't have anything like that here so, yeah, I was snookered. It's like, well, okay, well, I've got to sit in a rainy tent with trucks reversing and four-wheel drive spinning up the mud out in the... Work yeah. to treat. Yeah. Tethering oh. off your 4G. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. No, no, I'd, I'd been planning and thinking about that for a little while and um, it was great all the tech came together and managed to pull it off. And then, of course, I had to sit in the tent for about two hours doing the edit, you know, with the headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, I'd, I'd gladly do that again. Like, yeah, that, that remote working like that. And to be able to just, I mean, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, that would have been a struggle. Right. But oh, here sure, we are, we, we can do that easily now. We yeah, you, easily well, now. you were taking remote working to the nth degree, right? It was a re- yeah. re- remote, remote. <laughs> it truly was. It truly yeah. was. Um, I'd have to say one of my favourite moments was from episode 15 when um, Anthony McMahon first first started up as as the, the partner, Google Cloud Partners guy. And we did a little piece on him on the show and we talked about him and found out all about him, a little, little, little background check on Anthony McMahon. Turns out he's a great guy. <laughs> um, and yeah, when I posted on LinkedIn and tagged him, he responded and he told me he'd listen to the show. So 
that, that was that was really really humbling to know that someone like Anthony had had listened and it was you know we were on his radar. No, that's really good. Maybe that's like you know something I'm just sort of thinking out loud, but maybe sometimes you know next year we can see about like pulling in not necessarily Anthony, but just like maybe we can try and get some people from Google to interview on the show, even if like product people, something like that would be pretty cool. That would be cool, yeah, yeah. Or maybe even some of the engineers. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking one particular engineer that we're working with at the moment, perhaps even. Who, who knows? Yeah, mm. I, th- I think that'd mm. be really good. Actually, some of the people mm. who are at the coalface, not just uh, product guys, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a great idea. I'm just mm. going to take some notes and write this down. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll we'll get on a little bit later. Um, on some of our favourite stories that we covered during the year, but um, for now we're going to take a look at our predictions and um. Funnily enough, just this morning, um, the Google Cloud blog uh, released a blog which were the 10 IT predictions for 2023. Uh, I'll link this in the show notes. And the first thing I noticed about this list, yes, it's a list, a list of 10, uh, it contains eight items. (laughs) (laughs) So... Prediction number one, <laughs> eight is the new 10. <laughs> eight is the new t- We're going back, we're going an, an eight-based numerical system. <laughs> That's right. We're going to an octal system now. Yep. Yeah. Everything's going to be octal-based. That'll right. make things really easy. <laughs> None of this hexadecimal awfulness. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's take a look at this list. Um, because what we're going to do after this, Dave, we're going we're to tell everyone what our predictions are. Yeah for 2023. So um, this list, uh, I'll link in the show notes. They start with number one, uh, starting with neuro-inclusive design will increase user adoption by five times in the first two years of production. Now, neuro-inclusive design, WTF? That's the first thing I thought. What is neuro-inclusive design? So, I mean, my understanding is more like... Like there are certain fonts which are much easier for people who are, are wired a little bit differently to read. Uh, things that like help with, you know, dyslexia. There's um, so this uh, is all around accessibility. I, I think so. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Um, accessibility, was- I can understand. Neuro inclusive yeah. design was a new term to me. I think um, there's there's also things about like, um. <sighs> You know, like certain people have like like sensory issues and stuff, so you want to you know, limit the amount of like motion and things that are seen. But I think even including uh, some of those things, like even if someone is is I guess neurotypical, mm-hmm. it's also more pleasant for them. Like <laughs> ah, right. okay. So this is com- like completely different. But like my local supermarket, they do a thing on like I think it's a Tuesday morning. They have like I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a like a low sensory time for shopping. And they turn the lights down slightly so they're not quite as bright, and there's no music playing, and it's the best time to shop. 
Wow. Yeah. So all your focus can go onto the shopping. Yeah, you don't have all the other yeah. stuff going around. It's just like it's, right. it's like it's a genuinely more pleasant time to shop. Yeah, right. I guess yeah. all the staff are instructed to keep the conversation to a minimum as well. And yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's uh, anyway. That's a uh, there's one like yeah. one hour window. It's the best time of the week. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, I've got I've got a UX complaint actually on Android, and it it's not any Android. It's UX generally. This happens all the time. You know when you see something on the screen mm-hmm. and your your finger reaches to click it and just as you're about to click it, something else pops up in the way and then you click the wrong thing? Yes. <laughs> Happens to me all the time and it's got to stop. <laughs> it's got to stop. Is it like because it's like something's still loading but you're reacting faster or? I don't know. Like, you know, on Android, you, you, little, you whip down the top screen and you go, oh, yeah, your appointment is when you're about to click it and boom, another thing comes along. You go, ah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't want to open that, right? It's got to stop, right? So dynamic UI elements, right? Mm-hmm. They've, got, they've got to stop. It <laughs> has to just, whatever's presented to me at the time, that's it. It's too late. You've had your chance to draw the screen. Do not draw the screen again while I'm looking at it. I'm serious. <laughs> React? No, thanks. No. Okay, so any any UI UX developers out there, that's that's something. If we if we could get a plugin or something that that fixes that, I mean, I've got no idea when it comes to Android development, but something, please fix it. Uh. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I hate that <laughs> end rant. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> His banky bank cantankerous about technology <laughs> on our technology <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, let's get on to number two because, you know, number one didn't take long. Um, all right, by, by 2025, four out of five enterprise developers will use some form of curated open source. Aren't we here already? Well, I, I don't I don't think so, but I, but I, so I actually I do agree with this one. I know, I know we've touched on it a few times, and this is like one of my favorite things, like assured mm. open source. Like I think there will be more services that are targeting that space, right? Anything that helps improve the software supply chain, um, I can I can see this being a big one, especially in enterprise. So curated open source, this is, uh, and I think you're going to touch on this later, this mm. is the, like, assured open source and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or maybe, um, what about the concept? And I'm sure this is a thing that already exists, but sort of open source within an enterprise? Does that kind of idea already exist? So if an enterprise has, like, a Git repo that's only, like, a big enterprise, I'm talking, like, big you know, like you know, AT&T or someone like that, like they tend to release it. They might have some sort of code repo internally that everyone can contribute to. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I think that's where, like, the Assured open source uh, services come out from, right? This is mm. – that was where Google was doing this for themselves, where they would, they would bring in packages from outside. They would, uh, you know, security test them. Like, these are the tools that they need and use. Uh, mm. but they wanted to make sure that there was a – they wanted to break that chain of if somebody compromises, a, you know, GitHub credentials for the one developer who manages this critical <laughs> thing who's based that in – That tiny little leg and everything else is piled yeah, exactly. on top of you know, the based meme, in yeah. Slovakia. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's got to go to school. 
um yeah it's it's breaking that chain that that um <laughs> that weakness in using open yeah. source right we love open yeah. source but we do need to be able to actually limit who can make something yes yeah. or he gets ticked off with the internet and pulls his whole repo oh yeah takes everything down yep. that's happened more than once yeah as yeah okay uh so number three on the list and i like this one ai will be the primary driver for moving to a four-day work week so I'm I'm passionate about the four day work week, right? This is right. something I'm actively trying to do. Mm. Um, you know, you know, depending on the organisation, some places you're you're basically switching to part time. There is lots of companies that are doing testing now um, mm. to see about you know doing not even a compressed week, just like reduced hours, same salary. Like these are it's becoming more and more common. It's yep. been a long time since the five day work week was standardised, right? Like we've had this yep. whole industrial revolution thing after that like we didn't change anything with henry ford's got a lot to answer to <laughs> yeah, but we- well i mean before that dude it was like yeah. a six day and a seven yeah. day work week so yeah. know, the five day was a vast improvement um but the entire like computer and internet age came through and we didn't even address it so mm, um yeah mm. you know, i think now's the time and i think that yeah it's about time that people get some of their their lives back mm. <laughs> like Mm. Um, I know for like a for a lot of people, remote working has been wonderful. But there's many people who then can't switch off without having that break in whether they're in the office or home. They need that yeah you know, to bifurcate. So yeah, if if I mean you and I are pretty fortunate, we've got separate workspaces from our living spaces, right? And that's that's really important to be able to disconnect from your working environment but a lot of people don't a lot of people are trying to work remotely and they're just setting up on the dining room table and they've got all their workspace spread around everywhere they can't even even eat at the dining room table uh that would be horrible yeah it Um, would yeah and then you'd be you finish work but then you're in the kitchen you're like oh it's right there just you have to take it out of your brain sometimes yeah, I mean, we've all got everything on our phones, though, anyway, right? Um, you know, but you know, for me, I've been working remotely. I've been I've been in operations on and on call for like over twenty years, so I've learnt the skills and ability to be able to disconnect that, even though it is coming in on my phone. But if you if you weren't the kind of worker that had been exposed to that, then then you may not have the uh, mental agility to be able to do that. Mm. Um, and, and, and given the fact that it happened so rapidly, you know, it's just kind of overnight, suddenly all these people that were just used to working in an office are now working from their dining room tables. Yeah. Uh, that would be difficult. What was that book you were telling me about during the week where oh, this okay. is exactly what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a short story uh, called Manor by Michael Brain. I read it years ago and it's, uh, mm. but it's, it's sort of show, it shows two different possible end states where AI kind of comes in and is used to sort of replace middle management and in sort of, I don't want to give too much away, but it's like in one side of society or I guess in one nation, um, all the benefits of that go to the people who own the companies, right? Like it all moves up. It's all just used like anyone who actually does the work is kind of yeah, it's a, it's a race to the bottom, um, and all the benefits go to the people who own the companies, own the AI. And then the sort of other way around is like where AI is being used for the betterment of everyone, right? Like it's 
any work that we no longer need to do, well, that's more free time or it's more resources for everybody and everybody's quality of life. So that's a really great short story. It doesn't take long. You probably mm. read it in about an hour. Um, mm. I'd, I'd firmly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's interesting. It does dovetail into this point, right, where we're saying there's a potential there that in not only one day a week but an entire class of jobs could be replaced. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we touched on that. Well, we didn't touch on We had a whole segment just a moment ago about chat GBT, mm. um, like seeing that not only can it be used for writing articles and stuff, but I've seen, like, code samples be generated out of there, right? Like, Yeah, well, that that's exactly what um, uh, GitHub Copilot does. Yep. Um, it's If you've ever used that, I used it during the trial, and I had it predict – six, seven, eight lines of code, what I was about to type. I've got it in my head, right? Here we go. I'm about to type it out and bang, suddenly just appears in front of you. You go, that's almost exactly what I want, you know? Yep. It, it, yeah, it was amazing. Variable names and everything. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it definitely could uh, replace a lot. More than one day a week, potentially. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Number four. By 2025, 90% of security operations workflows will be automated and managed as code. Well, Once again, I'm seeing a trend here. I, I think so. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it has to. Mm. Like we, we're, we're moving well, into a, a post-click ops world where yeah. people have to look in, a, in interfaces just, and stuff. It's just just a volume, fast. right? It's just, just, a, just a numbers game, right? Yeah. There's no way you can manually do it, even now. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that's more the point. It's like it's already too much to do it manually now, um, but not everyone has the tooling to have it fully. Yeah, we need a better way. And, and, and AI and automated workflows are going to be the way for sure. Um, all right, so number five, by 2025 – over half of cloud infrastructure decisions will be automated by AI and ML. Now, this impacts us directly, Dave. Half. <laughs> so, um, if you're thinking of moving into archi an architecture role, <laughs> you might want to think again. Yeah. Um, yeah, half of cloud infrastructure decisions. So, you know, I... I I immediately think of I mean, and there's a multi-cloud item further down in this list, but I immediately think of the problem of multi-cloud. Right, you've got the big three, right? They all have different services. They all kind of do the same things, but they kind of don't, and they kind of cross over each other. What if you want to move from one cloud vendor to another cloud vendor, right? And you want to kind of be cloud agnostic. I actually see AI and ML that. Kind of could be that could be a perfect use case. It's like, well, I've got this design in Azure. I want to move that to Google Cloud. You have your AI bots run over it, and bang, it builds you your Terraform cloud that will build the same thing in Google. You're like a, a comparative, like a okay, comparative. You're consuming this feature over here. Okay, well, you need this on the other side. Yeah, or maybe it's two or three things you got to do to do do the same sort of thing. You know. You know, that, that could be the end game. That could be an end game of what's going to happen here with that. Um, what about situations where you've got products that are do similar things, but they're not quite the same? Like, yeah. I don't know, 
where would you use? And I'm I'm not a data guy. I don't even play one on a podcast. But where would you use Big Table over Cloud SQL? Now I could probably give you a superficial answer to that, right? But when you get down to the guts of it, um, you know that's a decision an AR and ML could do for you. All right, number six on the list by 2025. 90% of data will be actionable in real time using ML. 90%. So are they saying all data? I'll read the actual blurb here. Yeah. Only one third of all companies are actually able to realize tangible value from their data, but new tools and new approaches will open the floodgates to data-driven insights and innovation. That's from uh, Irina Farouk, who's the Senior Director and Product Manager of Smart Analytics. Mm. So, yeah, as we saw that thing from uh, Aziza, uh, was it last week? Yep. Uh, he was very keen on data and very keen on opening analytics. And, I mean, our own uh, uh, Lizzie had comments around that as well. Um, let's open it up, make it available to everyone. Yeah, democratize it. Democratize data. Yeah, that's what this is all about, isn't it? And it should be actionable in real time using ML. Oh, it's a lot of data. Number seven, multi-cloud technologies will make it possible to freely switch your primary cloud provider. Multi-cloud technologies. Um, imagine a Google provider that was cloud, uh, sorry, a Terraform provider that was cloud agnostic. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's part of the reason why, though, I mean, yeah, okay. It's part of the reason why you use Terraform over cloud formation or any, like any of the particular platform-specific ones because it does yep. give you a measure of being able to you know, reuse some of things. Yes, you do have to use different providers, but at least most of the structures of your projects can be kind of the same. Yeah, if you're clever, if you're clever about how you separate your variables and sort of structure your... Your your code base, you could pretty easily, as long as it was a simple thing, you could probably you could pretty easily move from one one to the other sort of one compute type to the other compute type, for instance. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that the tricky part is, you know, you mentioned it just a moment ago, right? Like, not all the services are equal, and if you start trying to base everything or based off like the most common denominator, you lose some of the really nice things of any individual platform, you kind of mm. end up in a situation where all I'm really using is like cloud storage and S3 and whatever the Azure one is. Uh, and I'm also using- I've got like everything com on compute. Yeah, and, and compute <laughs> engine and EC2 and the Azure one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible with the Azure product names. Um, you know, so, but if you're only using those, like are really basic systems, right? You're not mm. getting- BigQuery or PubSub or Google yeah. front end, yeah, load balancing, uh, all, all, all the cool yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah, all the cool shared stuff, VPCs, yeah. yep, oh yeah, we love them shared VPCs. All right, and the last one, number eight on our list of ten. Uh, <laughs> 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 Someone missed a memo. <laughs> uh, by twenty twenty five, three out of four developers will lead with sustainability as their primary development principle. Hmm. We're seeing this more and more. 
Yeah. And that's I mean, it's easy. It's getting easier to do it now. Like you can choose your right cloud provider. You can choose the regions that have the lowest consumption. Um, it's becoming much simpler. And, and yeah. you know, it's actually from a cost perspective as well is also getting cheaper to do it too. It's, it's becoming well, it should, cheaper to choose the right choice. Yeah, it should be becoming cheaper. I mean, I, I you know- a uh, story on literally on last night's news about the Australian energy prices at the moment. Um, there seems to be a growing consensus that renewables will be cheaper once we get off fossil fuels. Oh, for and, sure. Uh, you know, the, yes, yeah. you've got you've got the build out, you got the capital side of things, which is always expensive, but yep. then it just keeps generating. Right, you don't have to don't have to dig anything up, transport it here, put it on a conveyor, feed it into the thing, like. That's right. Yeah, it's it's like moving to solid state drives, right? We we we're, we've got solid state electricity generation. We don't need to invest any more to you know, besides a little bit of maintenance, of course. But of course, it's it's just uh, yeah. It's but, just continually- you know, you have to maintain a power like coal plants as well, right? So mm. maintenance is is there, but the fuel, the inputs, are, you know, zero. Yep. Yep. A bit of sun that'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Well, off the back of that, we thought um, we thought we'd give our own tech predictions. <laughs> now, <laughs> we had a bit of a chuckle during the week, and we we thought um, we'll, we'll give you a a, a not so serious one, and then a more serious one. So, um, Dave, if you want to kick things off, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, you know, I, I think what's going to happen is that uh, <clears throat> in in the new year. Uh, fresh off his uh, his victories at um, at Twitter with uh, being able to get everyone to like him, uh, Musk is going to <laughs> buy this podcast and shut it down. <laughs> because, uh, but I mean, right now I haven't mentioned the location of where his jet is, so uh, you know, maybe I'll be okay. Because uh, yeah, because we co- yeah constantly bagging Twitter and Teslas. I mean, come on, come yeah. on, Musk. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> Throw it out uh, there. so there's so there's yeah, there's a there's a strong possibility. <laughs> All right, cool. That's that's a funny one. Now for your serious one, Dave. What do you got for me? My gut feel is at least for the next year or two that the whole metaverse kind of hype um, mm. is is definitely going to go quiet, right? Not just Meta's yeah. one. Uh, I think in a a very down market, <laughs> there's less uh, less funding running around for for these sorts of experiments. I just, I actually, I think that like long term, like real long term. When we have like uh, augmented reality glasses and immersive, I could see like metaverse, a metaverse being an actual thing, like that. Uh, oh, you know, Ready Player One. I can see that happening in the uh, distant future. I don't we- see it happening now. <laughs> okay, I- I'm listening to what you're saying, right. but you know, it's 3D television. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's three D television. Okay, so like I've I've played good VR and had yeah. that sense of presence, and you do feel like you're in it, and and so that's where I can see like wanting to do it. But right mm. now, who wants to be at work with like a headset strapped to your face? Like it, it's not no, it's not taking it on and off all the time. No, yeah. So I I just I think that's going to go quiet for a while. I don't think it's going to die completely, but 
not expecting any big things until you know maybe the late 2020s. We'll, we'll see. Um, but you're right, it is going to go quiet for a while. I did hear whisperings that uh, Meta's not going uh, the way they intended. Probably no. a little bit too early. Yep. Yep. That's that. That it's not just the product; it's the timing as well. Yeah. It's a critical the mass and of the, other and things. The technology. Yeah. Now, um, I uh, for, look. What's your funny one? I've done, I, I might, well, give me give me something from I, you. Right? I, I struggled. I struggled to to figure out something during the week. Um, so, like anyone does when they have a writer's block, I went to Chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, and uh, I uh, of course I, I plugged into Chat GPT. What are the IT predictions for twenty twenty three? Whoa. And this is what ChatGPT told me. <laughs> it is difficult to make specific predictions about the state of technology in 2023, as the field is constantly evolving and there are many variables that can impact its development. However, there are a few trends that are likely to continue or accelerate in the coming years. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'll put this in the show notes, I guess. Uh, there's, there's, there's a bit here, but... It, it gave me a list of five, another list, a list of five. And they're a little bit different to the list we went through just now, but artificial intelligence. Now, artificial intelligence has been a, a theme, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see a lot happen in 2023 through to 2025. Um, Internet of Things will continue to grow. Now, we haven't talked a lot about Internet of Things on the show, but um, like, are we... I mean, everyone's phones on the internet. Is that the internet of things? No, it's more like sensors and smart lights and it's little things. Right. Smart fridges? What have happened to them? Yeah. I know they exist. Number three on the list, adoption of cloud computing will continue to grow. Well, no, but we don't need the cloud, remember? It's <laughs> someone like, else's computer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, sure. Yeah. If adoption of cloud computing will continue to grow and, and we're seeing it day by day. Um, number four, virtual and augmented reality technologies will likely become more widespread. Now, that's counter to the conversation that we kind of just had um, with applications, areas such as gaming, education, and healthcare. Like, it'll grow, but I don't think it's going to take off, you know. I don't think it's set to take off. It's not going to, we're not pushing over that edge that yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and number five, the use of blockchain technology will continue to expand with more businesses and organization adopting it for a variety of applications. Yeah, once again, I think that's going to be a slow burn. I don't, I don't think there's going to be any sort of big uh, iteration on that. It'll just be slow burn as, as things, you know, people find use cases for it. Yeah. That's an end until we get into another hype cycle again in a couple of years' time, and then everything will have to be blockchain again. Um, so, yeah, that's how you overcome writer's block. <laughs> now, it's funny, all of that discussion we just had about AI, that's only come about in the last couple of days. Now, I made a serious uh, prediction, um, 2023 prediction, and I did it before we put any of that into the show. And my prediction for 2023 is that an AI-generated artwork will be sold as a genuine. Now, um, I'm thinking it'll either happen one of two ways. Either um, 
something will happen whereby there's somehow some lost Van Gogh piece of art will be found um, or there'll be a mix-up or there'll be some fraud done or something, but it'll be some piece of artwork that is AI-generated that'll be sold for millions of dollars and the buyer will think that it's made by a human or it's genuine in some way. It's not AI. Because it's getting good. It is getting really good. Yeah. yeah but and I'll try and dig up... I'll try and dig up a link and, and put something in the show notes because I've seen a few articles floating around on it lately. So there you go. That's that's our predictions for that's Google's predictions and myself and Dave's predictions for next year. And ChatGPT's predictions as well. And ChatGPT's <laughs> predictions. <laughs> I told you that'd be a funny one. <laughs> yeah, we might just have to have ChatGPT on here as like the third co-host. We just throw that's to it. it every now and again. <laughs> yeah. All right, and we thought we'd finish up the show with just a little bit of look back and the highlights on uh, a couple of stories that we've done during the year. Uh, and Dave, you you pulled one up to my attention. Uh, yeah, so I mean, not to go like massively deep because we've actually touched on it a bunch already uh, mm. in today's episode, but I I think the assured open source one has been one of like my favourite things. It was great seeing uh, when it first sort of went to preview, and now. Not only, um, you know, not only have they you know started to sort of more bring that forward, they're promoting it more heavily, and the fact that they've built that whole software delivery shield uh, system that's you know to help uh, secure like the entire software supply chain of how you know where your developers, are, where they're writing code, how they're running code, open source packages they're using. That's that's been like a cool one for me. It's just seeing how that's maturing as a service, um, and it's something that I certainly will be keeping my eye on you. Yeah, short open source looks like a really cool tool. I've got to go in and uh, sort of get my hands dirty with that a little bit. But um, yeah, you're right. Um, it it could only help the adoption of open source, and um, you know, organisations, enterprises have been really. Uh, tenuous with their adoption with it for a long time, and they they, they probably don't realise it that that they are using it more than they uh, probably realise. But this will just surface it a little bit more for them, definitely, and yep. and and give them a little more confidence to use um, something they may not have experimented with in the past, which you know ultimately will lead to a bit more innovation, which is what we want for sure. Um. All right. Well, I think my highlight of the year was episode number 20, uh, the GCVE special. Oh, that was a bumper one. That was a bumper show. Um, we broke down everything about GCVE. We had um, – let's pull up the old show notes here and just have a look. We had uh, me, yourself, Ian, um, and uh, we, 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 we did a deep dive on all the aspects of GCVE and – um, let you guys really know what the platform's all about. And we coupled that with um, Ian and myself giving a talk uh, at the Google head office in Sydney um, at the Solution Series event there. And it was really quite um, fortuitous, actually, because straight off the back of this show, we more or less used what was in this show at that talk, and then we were able to direct the people at that talk to the show. Um, really, really quite um, serendipitous that it all worked out that way. And, uh, and I think I, the fact that, like, you know, we're doing so much of GCVE now as well. Mm, like, mm. So like, I can see us doing more presentations 
Yeah, well, think of how many features have been added since then. Um, yep. That was uh, August um, 2022. I mean, we were, what, only four months ago? Yeah, there's been a bunch of releases, a lot of things changing in the platform. It's maturing, you know, really rapidly. Lots more things yeah. in the pipeline that I'm excited about too. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, off the back of this project we're on at the moment, we'll have exponentially more experience with it as well. So um, I, I dare to say I'd like to do another episode around GCVE um, sometime, you know, during next year as well and and just talk about where we're at with it and um, how, the, how the platform's matured since then. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Especially if you know we touched on earlier about you know maybe getting one of their Google CEs on, like good show mm. for it. Mm. Yeah, we, well, we're in touch with a couple of those for sure, and I've got I've got one in mind right now, one particular one that we could get on the show for sure. Um, yeah, so that that for me was a really good highlight, and um, I've got some things you know bouncing around the back of my mind that will 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 be great for twenty twenty three, and we should. By the end of the next year, we will have similar highlights as well, I'm sure, with a couple of the ideas that I've got. But I think that's about it, Dave. What do you reckon? You know what? I think that'll do, mate. Uh, yep. Just um, over an hour. <laughs> I know. I know. And uh, this will be the last show for the year, like we said. We will return on Friday, the 13th of January, mm-hmm. uh, with our next show. <laughs> um, like I said at the top of the show, guys, send us an email, send us a contact, um, even use Twitter if you really have to. I will check it occasionally. <laughs> um yeah, and or go to iTunes, write a review for the show. It'll really help uh, surface the show for other people. And uh, the email address you can contact us on is gcplife at casna.com.au. The Twitter is at gcplife. We've got the website there. You can Google that and find us. And don't forget, today's show sponsor is Casna. At Casna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. That's about it for us for 2022. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a great break and safe. Have a great break. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to get into that. No, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> uh, can we throw to chat GPT to give yeah, me a yeah. response? <laughs> <laughs> uh, chat GPT, um, what do I do with dead air <laughs> from my co-host? <laughs>